October 23, 1986, Philip Kearns left his home on Ballyrowan Road in South Dublin, Ireland. He was headed back to school after spending his lunch break at home. But he never made it back to school and he would never return home. One of the largest and most intensive searches in Irish history would follow, changing the small community forever. Six days later, his school bag would be found in a nearby laneway, left by a person or persons unknown. No further evidence of what happened to 13-year-old Philip has ever been found. This is Philip's story. Philip Kearns was born September 1st, 1973, to parents Alice and Philip Kearns Sr. in South Dublin, Ireland. The Kearns' home would have been a hectic, loud, busy and extremely loving household. Philip was one of six children, with four older sisters, Mary, Sandra, Helen and Suzanne, and one brother who was only a little more than a year younger, Owen. Philip and Owen weren't only brothers but best friends. If you couldn't find them, they'd be in someone's backyard, kicking the soccer ball around with the other neighbourhood kids. Philip was an active kid who was always on the move. He played hurling for the local team and loved nothing more than going fishing with his dad. By October 1986, 13-year-old Philip Kearns had recently started Coloste Iana Secondary School in Rathfarman. It was only a short 15-minute walk from the Kearns family home on Ballyrowan Road. Philip's mother, Alice, would later remember her eldest son as being quiet and thoughtful, that he got along with everyone. Philip was also very religious, something he shared with his beloved mother, the Kearns family attending Catholic church every Sunday without fail. October 23, 1986, Philip would leave his school as normal for lunch at 12.45 and go home, taking his school bag and belongings with him. He would stay home for about half an hour before it was time to go back to school for the afternoon session, leaving the safety of his home at 1.30, dressed in his school uniform. There are photos out there of Philip dressed in this uniform, looking really proud of himself. However, what happened to Philip on this 15-minute walk is unclear. All that is known is that Philip never made it to school. And when Philip failed to return home after school that evening, Alice knew there was something wrong. Her usual punctual and responsible son had always made it home on time. She would report Philip missing to the local Garde. And Garde is the Irish version of police or the sheriff's department. Hundreds of members of the Garde, along with volunteers and dive teams, took part in what would be one of the largest searches in Irish history. On hands and feet scouring mountains, forests and valleys, back and forth along the route Philip was known to walk to school, but nothing could be found. Despite all of their efforts, each search would prove fruitless. The Garde would interview each of Philip's classmates during their midterm break, and a rumour would quickly emerge. The first clue as to what may have happened to Philip. Several children would report that they'd actually seen a boy who looked like Philip being lured into a van by a quote-unquote bad man with sweets. Now, authorities never found any indication this was the case, and Philip's parents were adamant right from the get-go there was no way Philip would have gotten into a car with a complete stranger. He was just too shy and reserved for that. 
a stickler for the rules, and the Kearns had a strict don't-talk-to-strangers rule. But this stranger abduction theory was further supported when a witness came forward weeks into the missing person investigation. A motorist contacted the Garday, stating they remembered seeing a boy matching Philip's description climbing into a red car on Ballyrowan Road at around 1.30 on the day he went missing. The driver of the red car was a man described as being around 50 years old with grey hair sticking up. The Kearns have always believed who took Philip, if that's what happened, would have had to been someone he knew and trusted. And although police have never discounted the stranger abduction theory, there is just no evidence ever found that the bad man in the van or the grey man in the red car was responsible for disappearing Philip. Those who agree with Alice and Philip Sr. do suggest the theory of a hit-and-run type scenario, a tragic accident where Philip may have been knocked down by a vehicle while walking back to school, and then the driver panicked. Instead of calling 999, they removed any evidence and disposed of Philip's body. Supporting this theory is that no similar murders or disappearances occurred around this time. However, the witness sightings do not suggest the accident theory is what happened in this case, and the Garday have never supported this theory either. It's been always the belief of the Garday that Philip was killed soon after his disappearance. Six days after Philip was last seen... His school bag was found by two schoolgirls passing the laneway linking Anne Devlin Road and Anne Devlin Drive, only a few hundred metres from the Kearns family home. This was quite peculiar for investigators because this particular laneway had already been searched repeatedly by the Garday and local volunteers, and if the bag had been there during that time, 100% it would have been found already. It also rained heavily in the days prior to the bag being discovered, However, the bag itself was completely dry, meaning the school bag would have had to have been placed in the laneway after the searchers had been wound up. Inside the bag were Philip's belongings, his pens, pencils, pencil case, a copy book, a maths textbook and his school journal. The only items missing were his geography and two religion textbooks. He had at least one of these classes on the day he went missing – The significance of these books missing aren't clear. Possibly it isn't related, and Philip misplaced them somewhere, or they got lost in a struggle. Or maybe they have some hidden meaning. Who knows? In a case where nothing is for certain, anything is possible. The Garday were, and still are, certain this school bag holds the vital piece of evidence they so desperately need. Now, this was a time before DNA, but there were some forensic examinations carried out on this bag since, and nothing has been found. This school bag is still held in evidence, sealed with its contents, and locked in a Garday safe ever since, hoping that one day forensic technology will be ready for it. And to this day, the Garday still want to identify two people seen in the laneway just prior to Philip's school bag being found. While the Kearns family were struggling with their harrowing grief of losing Philip, and they were truly going through it, not only did they lose Philip, but they were also receiving regular distressing phone calls, something Philip's sister states the family still received to this day. But Alice was adamant the family do not change their phone number in the hopes that one day Philip would call her. 
The Kearns family were heartbroken, and the community where the family lived were also deeply affected. They feared for the safety of their own children. It was the mid-1980s, and you could trust your children were safe walking on their own in the middle of the day. But Philip's disappearance shattered their innocence. Was there a child predator wandering their previously safe streets, waiting for another opportunity to strike? And if it could happen to a nice boy like Philip, from a good family like the Kearns, it could truly happen to anyone. After Philip's disappearance, parents became more vigilant, some insisting their children were no longer permitted to walk to and from school again. Alice and Philip Senior really did all they could to find their Philip. They took part in regular interviews on news programs and got Philip's sweet face featured on milk cartons. The Gardet investigation was also stellar. They even took the unusual approach by accepting help of psychics and clairvoyance. But nothing left any clue as to what happened to Philip. It was as if he had vanished into thin air. In all, authorities received more than 400 sightings of Philip, coming as far wide as the United States, United Kingdom and Australia. And all of these were thoroughly investigated and proved not to be related to the missing boy. Throughout the years, the Gardet would carry out many a search across Ireland, often without informing the media until the searches were already finished and without speaking of what, if anything, they found in these searches. October 2006, on the 20th anniversary of Philip's disappearance. The Kearns family were still steadfast on the fact their Philip was still alive and they would appear across all Irish national television appealing for new information on the case. The family would also hold a special mass in remembrance for the missing boy. This appeal would become an unfortunate yearly tradition. In October 2007... Authorities would arrange a reconstruction of Philip's typical school route and broadcast this on RTE One's Crime Call TV series. This appeal alone would generate 80 new lines of inquiry just in one day. The Gardet referring to this response at the time as quote-unquote tremendous. Over the decades that followed... Many have come forward claiming relatives or friends or co-workers knew what happened to Philip. This included a local woman who claimed her partner at the time was a pedophile and that he abducted and killed Philip. No evidence was ever found to support these claims. May 2009. An elderly woman in Dublin told the Gardet that her boyfriend at the time had killed Philip and buried him in two locations in South Dublin. One was a wooded area near a golf course next to the M50 motorway, and the second was another area 50 metres away from that. Now, the Gardet took this report very seriously, and they called in the help of geophysicists using specialised ground-penetrating scanners. Even with all the vegetation cleared away, nothing of interest was found. Another blow for the Kearns family. Now, this man's name was never released, which is fair. There has never been any evidence he was involved, despite that one woman's word. All we know is he still lives in the area and is now a pensioner, and there is nothing to show he knew anything of what happened to Philip. 
Many suspects have come and gone over the years, but there is one that has stuck, and in my opinion, a definite probability here. And that's convicted pedophile and career criminal Emman Cook, or Captain Emman. 2016. A woman came forward alleging a man she knew murdered Philip at the Radio Dublin studio on the day he disappeared, that he lured Philip there somehow. Now, considering who this man was, the Garde considered this information credible, and they interviewed the man who was at the time staying at a hospice due to his terminal cancer diagnosis. This man was Edmund Cook. Now, Cook's criminal convictions dated back to his early teenage years for bombing a monument in Glasnevin Cemetery. In 1957, he pleaded guilty for having opened fire with a handgun, shooting at Garday during a robbery of a petrol station near Bray, Dublin. 1978 would be the start of many convictions for breaches of the Wire Telegraphy Act. Cook was responsible for Radio Dublin, which was a pirate radio station in Dublin, and that introduced that nickname Captain Emman. Now, he would continue to run this radio station until 2003, despite these convictions and other numerous raids throughout this time. 1986. Edmund Cook would be convicted of arson and assault in relation to his role in a firebombing two years earlier. Another one. But he would be one of five charged here and he would receive a four-year suspended sentence for his part. 2001. Cook would be sentenced to six months for dangerous driving in relation to a car chase he became involved in while driving in the Dublin mountains. For this, he would only end up serving 21 days for contempt of court on appeal. 2003 would be the first trial in relation to crimes against children. Cook would be charged with rape and sexual assault against four underage girls. He would be found guilty for this, but this conviction would be then vacated in 2006 on a technicality, and he would be released to commit crimes, which, of course, he would do. Cook would be back in court the following year, 2007, for sex crimes against children dating back all the way to the 1970s. Now these women would bravely stand in court in front of Cook and testify as to what he did to them. Cook would be found guilty and sentenced to 10 years in prison, where he would remain until his death in June 2016. But this woman in 2016 came to authorities with a story they found credible. She claimed to be one of Cook's former victims, that when she was nine years old, she was in one of the rooms at Cook's radio station in Inchicore, which is about 10 to 15 minutes away from Philip's home. She heard loud noises coming from another room, and when she went to investigate, this was when she saw Philip lying on the floor. He was bleeding from the head. She then fainted, and when she woke up, she was inside Cook's car. She never saw Philip again. Authorities would interview Cook in hospital, and he confirmed much of the woman's story, stopping just short of admitting to the murder or telling them where Philip's remains were. However, it must be said, when the Garde interviewed Cook in 2016, he was in the late stages of dementia, and it is the belief of many that anything Cook said should be taken with a grain of salt, that nothing he said could be credible. Edmund Cook died shortly after this interview, but he remains high on the suspect list to this day. 
The Garde did test his DNA against that taken from Philip's school bag, and it wasn't a match. However, it is thought that Cook might have coerced some children into planting the bag in the laneway for him. Two days after his death, one of Cook's family members discovered a handwritten letter in a storage unit he owned containing the words, quote, Sorry to Philip for everything that happened, unquote. In parts of the letter, Cook also refers to Philip as his son, even though he never had a son named Philip. Was he referring to Philip Kearns? This is what the authorities believe. Detective Sergeant Tom Doyle still sees the Kearns family regularly, saying they are truly the definition of time doesn't always heal all wounds. Quote, I've spoken to Owen and he told me that not a single day goes by he doesn't think of Philip. It's something when you see a grown man in his 30s getting tears in his eyes describing a brother he hasn't seen in 20 years. Unquote. A £10,000 reward is available for information that leads to the solving of Philip Kearns's case. Detective Sergeant Doyle is still hopeful for a breakthrough. Quote, And I really mean that. We are absolutely working on this case. And I'm confident that we will get a breakthrough. Someone out there knows something. We will follow up on every lead. All it takes is for one person to be right. I'd like to reassure anyone who is considering coming forward that they have nothing to fear. Unquote. Unfortunately, Philip's father, Philip Kern Sr., would die without knowing what happened to his eldest son. Finally succumbing after a long battle with lung cancer in 2014. Philip's mother, Alice, is elderly now, so Philip's sisters, Sandra and Susanna, have become the family spokesperson in the case. They have also worked tirelessly with other families of missing children. Alice has become a grandmother now, time's over, and still lights a candle every evening in memory of her missing son. She cannot help but wonder the life she missed without Philip. Quote, It's hard on all of us. It did change my life. I think of him all the time, but you still hope. Hope that nothing bad has been found. You just keep praying and then you say, well, the Lord knows where he is. Unquote. As for Detective Sergeant Doyle, he believes the case can still be solved. Quote, Every time there has been a major story about him in the papers or on the television, there have been a huge upsurge in the number of people contacting us. My attitude would be that it's important to keep his name out there. Some member of the public has the answer to this riddle. We need to find that person. Unquote. At the time of his disappearance, Philip Kearns was 13 years old. He was 5 foot 2 and of slim build with brown hair and hazel eyes. He has a small birthmark under his chin. He was last seen wearing his school uniform. If Philip is still alive today, he would be 49 years old. There is still a £10,000 reward for any information leading to the resolution in Philip's case. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Philip Kearns, please contact the Garda Confidential Line on 1800 666 or the National Missing Persons Helpline Ireland on 1800 911 999. 
If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Mayu.